coming soon to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison, are you in good form? Halt, who goes there? <laughs> the look on your face. We had to. We had a technical problem, and so we had to start over again. And in between takes, Madison said... Yeah, maybe we'll come up with some better bits. <laughs> and he used the exact same bit. <laughs> Just a little behind the scenes here at uh, Equalizers HQ. Attend hut. Major t- Hazard reporting for duty, sir. What else did we talk about in the that, last time? I don't Basically. Was that it? Yeah. Was that as far as we got before the internet crapped out? Yeah, that's literally where we ran out of jokes. So episode over. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Now, Madison is doing me a solid this week. Um, Small Soldiers is a film I have wanted to get to for a while. Originally, we were going to do it, and then we booked Jackson Eflin for Dog Soldiers, Strays, and we decided having back-to-back films about well, a soldier in the title probably didn't work, and then it just kept getting pushed back. Yeah, we couldn't double soldier it. We decided to soldier on with Dog Soldiers. Yes, we did. <laughs> Small Soldiers is a movie that I've liked for a long time. It's kind of important to me. I saw it. It was the first PG-13 movie I saw in theaters. And it's just so wild that, in a way, I think it was the start of my love affair with films like it, where it's just the most ludicrous, hey, what if, like, hey, what if we uh, had toys that are alive that were trying to, like, kill us? And to do that, they raided garages to make war machines. And just wild shit like that. You know, they hand wave away with like, oh yeah, it's a sentient microprocessor or whatever. Like it, they don't really care. It's more about, this is the plot of the movie. So we'll just kind of make some shit up to get it there. What if Dennis Leary was in charge of this like government, like militaristic like yeah. factory and he's actually really, really an asshole. Cause you know, he's so charming. And his assistant's name is Miss Kegel spelled like Kegels. <laughs> weird i didn't know what her deal was in this movie yeah. like, i couldn't see if she was like if she just really hated david cross and jay moore or if she was just trying to be the best assistant possible i think a little bit of both i think that she works for the company that makes like one of the top mechanical engineering firms for and like technology firms for the united states defense department and now she's dealing with these two dudes who made a farting toy it's true I think that it's a little bit of both. Like she's trying to do her job well, but also like I am. This is so far below my pay grade. Yeah, honestly, what? I know we talk about concepts in our movies, mm-hmm. but like let's talk about the concept of this one. Why would a military company want to like take over a toy? I mean, company? diversification to some extent. I, I mean, the the answer is plot. But I, yeah. I think like if we're looking for like a logic, they wanted to diversify. I mean, it's the reason Disney bought Marvel. Is because Marvel's a like demographic is the one demographic that they've never been able to crack. Disney Channel hasn't, so they bought Marvel to fill yeah. that hole. So like, you know how the Defense Department really wants to get the demographic of children. You mean because Disney, up until this point, uh, up until uh, purchasing Marvel, their only uh, successful superhero property was the TV show Mighty Men. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that, actually. It's about a hospital where oh, superheroes go. For real? How have I never yeah. heard of this before? Yeah. Well, I know what I'm binging this weekend. Yeah. I've actually seen a good deal of it, mainly out of vague curiosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Madison, we seem to enjoy this movie, regardless of the fact that there are some... I feel like I have to justify, after I went against Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, recently, 
I want to clarify that I acknowledge that there are parts of this movie, plot-wise, character-wise, that are lacking, but that's not why I come to this movie. And I don't think that's why people should come to Small Soldiers for an enriching story. What I liked about it, or like what I realized that I liked about it, were all the kind of like the effects that they mm-hmm. did. Yeah. Uh, I know that Stan Winston's studio, this is one of their films that mm-hmm. they did a lot of the like chasing effects and the stuff with the actual action figures and there's definitely some cgi in this movie i've heard um the phrase oh it's some it's there's a difference between action and spectacle where you're you're watching an action scene and you're thinking like this looks really cool or you're watching it thinking like wow this was like the, the, the effects are great and like this is a very impressive action scene technically and i think for me small soldiers is i'm way more wrapped up in like what's happening than wow how do they get all those toys to move and that kind of thing so i have a review here from jake p off of rotten tomatoes he gave it three and a half stars i'd give it five but his his the way he phrased this i think is the way i would i would put it and it's very succinct small soldiers is a hard movie to put your finger on by no means is it very good in a technical or plausibility kind of way but its entertainment value is through the roof it's not really for young kids, but every young kid should see it. That last sentence, I'm not like really endorsing as much as the rest <laughs> of it. I, I saw it at 13. I think that it's fine because it's a, it's a pretty bloodless war movie or you know action movie. Well, it was really because ju- I looked up like mm-hmm. just random trivia about this. Apparently, sure. it was kind of judged uh, when it came out. Yeah, because it's actually pretty violent for like a- yeah more kid tailored movie um the director joe dante said that originally when they made it they were told like it's not going to be a kid's movie and then when they were getting ready to film it or filming it they're like okay now we need to try to make this so that a slightly younger audience can go and see it so like originally it was supposed to be much it was not a kid's movie but then somewhere along the line the studio decided no actually we need to get kids in here so is that why dennis leary's in it yeah to, to get those little kids yeah to get those little kids his, who did the most like dennis leary-esque like, oh yeah i mean like rant right at the beginning of the movie and the whole reason he was in this movie was just to do that one little scene where he's like you know what i'm tired of i'm tired of seeing fake shit and uh commercials blah 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 blah, blah. i want to see real real toys do real thing yeah. fuck like real people <laughs> i like how he said that we are going to do this like this is the way this is going to be gave absolutely no and this is the person you need to call about that this is the plan for it he says we're going to make toys that actually do what they do in the commercials and we're going to put this battery in them so they'll run forever no this is the department that's going to do it he gave no ideas and then she just handed them unlimited access to all aspects of this firm that makes weapons for the Department of Defense. <laughs> like, um, Jay Moore's character logs on with his friend's password and orders military-grade <laughs> microprocessors for toys. And nobody asked. <laughs> exactly. Nobody asked, like, hey, what was that for? Yeah, like... I mean, I think we could pick apart... Oh, no, that. yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, the, the, uh, like no, no, plausibility just... or logic, but it's just... It's kind of just a wild idea. The director, Joe Dante, originally wanted the cast of Predator to voice the commando elite so we could have had arnold schwarzenegger as major chip hazard that'd be cool yeah i just like major chip hazard reporting for duty sir no mercy i can't do it can't that do would it. be no mercy that'd be pretty good there's a whole list of the people but said they got the cast uh some of the cast of the dirty dozen was what yeah. i was reading i thought that was pretty neat i can bring the comedy back because i've got some reviews from rotten tomatoes if you're interested let's hit it one star from Illyn, I-L-Y-N-P. 
a ripoff of Toy Story. I can tell you this. <laughs> a ripoff of Toy Story. I can tell you this. Dot dot fetish movie. <laughs> I will. I, I mean, to be fair, I was hard the entire time. Yeah. I mean, is that a commando in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Ooh, Hulk, Hulk who goes I, there? Yeah, Hulk, who goes there? Oh, damn it, we were doing the same thing. <laughs> Attendant Hut? Wait, these are really good boner jokes. All right, Carly D, no, no stars given. Cardi B? Carly D, yeah. Okay. No stars shown. If only because it inspired one of the best menu items ever to grace Burger King. The Rodeo Burger. There was a Rodeo Burger made for this movie? I guess. I didn't look it up, but... When do they ever say Rodeo? I think it was, like, inspired by this movie. They made some burger. I don't know. I've saw this review a few times mentioning the Rodeo Burger, so... She gave it a... She didn't even give, like, a star rating or anything. She just wanted to... she, She commented on the movie's review page with no star... Like, no... Decided not to give it a rating just to say, hey, I'm commenting because it, this was why the Rodeo Burger got invented. Hell yeah. All right. I got one more then. This is the best one. Okay. Half star. Taylor R. This is my second movie review. I chose this terrible movie because it deserves a review. So here it goes. This is my review of Small Soldiers. Basically, this family buys these small action figures that are alive. So then evil, in all caps, comes over. <laughs> comes over. Evil comes over. And they have to stop it. Long story short, the soldiers stop the evil menace and everything is back to normal. This movie is garbage. If you ever pass it up, do so. This horrendous travesty of a film is god-awful. Worse than Garbage Pale Kids, the movie. That bad. I give this rubbish 1 out of 10,000. I'm Taylor Rugg, and I say go to hell, small soldiers. Did they actually say I'm Taylor Rugg? <laughs> yeah, he gave his... <laughs> <laughs> I love also, basically, this family buys these small action figures that are alive, so then evil comes over. What if some people saw that and they're like, oh shit, the rug doesn't like it? The rug. The rug. You mean rugged tea? Rugged tea? Tea rug? Tea rugs? Tea rugs doesn't like it? Tea rugs gives it two rugs down? (laughs) Before we get to the pitches, Madison, I'll, uh... Give a quick rundown. Small Soldiers uh, is set in either Chicago or Ohio, based on whether or not you're reading the IMDb slash Wikipedia or the Alan Abernathy Small Soldiers wiki page. I think it's supposed to be set in Ohio, but it centers on Alan Abernathy, a young kid who uh, has been kicked out of a couple schools for misbehavior, and he's working at his dad's toy shop. Uh, the dad's going away, so Alan manages to convince their delivery guy to li- like just give him some of these toys that he can sell. Uh, they're soldier toys created by uh, Heartland Playthings, which is now like what a, the military. We talked about this at the beginning. The military firm that bought a toy company, and they put out the Commando Elite, which are a series of war toys, and the Gorgonites, which are a monster toy uh, that they've kind of put pushed together as a set. The Commando Elite designer buys surplus military grades munitions chips to power the t- or to give the toys life i guess the toys that alan gets do come alive and fight each other and the store is destroyed and they believe the gorgonites are also destroyed but their leader archer who went home with alan survives the movie then also we meet christy the neighbor who alan has a crush on but has a boyfriend Alan eventually finds the Gorgonites, uh, that he brings them home, the commandos follow him, they lay siege to the house, 
for the Gorgonites, Alan and his family and Christie's family fight back. I, I'm broad strokesing through the back half of this. Yeah. At one point, the the Commando Elite use the mic the X1000 microprocessor from their dead Nick Nitro friend to bring a bunch of Barbies to life, voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar and Christina Ricci. And eventually, the Gorgonites come to the aid of Alan and his family. They defeat the Commando Elite by detonating an electromagnetic pulse in their neighborhood by wedging Chip Hazard into some. Transformer. Thank you. Into some Transformers. And that's pretty much it. Archer and the Gorgonites managed to survive by hiding under a downed satellite dish. Because science. Because science. Uh, at the end of the movie, Alan releases the Gorgonites on his dad's model boat into a river so they can try to find their lost homeland of Gorgon that 100% exists in the world because it wasn't made up by David Cross's character as a backstory for toys. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely didn't float down the river, probably crash fall into the water yeah. and which be destroyed the gorgonite slam fist who is basically looks kind of like a troll but with a big boulder for one of his hands mm-hmm. gives what for years i thought was the funniest movie joke of all time whereas we're panning away from the boat he says i hope we don't hit an iceberg and legitimately that was for a long time i'm not like proud of it i'm just saying that legitimately I had, I, my, it's very topical you know, yeah, like know. for 1998, it's like that that had been the funniest thing that had ever been said in 1998 in a, in a movie yeah. at that point, because Titanic came out like the year before. Yeah, no, it was very good. So my movie picks up a few years later, I would say roughly 2006, which I picked arbitrarily because it was part of an abandoned plot point. So I, but I kept it around. Alan's in his mid 20s by this point. We open on a bedroom filled with mint toys in mint condition in their boxes we pan down to nina who's played by a then 20 something rosario dawson opening a huge amazon box on her desk her roommate skunk played by a then 20 something anthony mackie <laughs> walks by and sees and i want to point out that i specifically wanted a very broy nickname for this character so it's skunk but the s is not capitalized but both of the k's are so his his name is spelled lowercase s, capital K, U-N, capital K. Oh, my God. Played by Anthony Mackie. Is he like a, is he like a punk? He's kind of like bro-y. Or something? He's, he's that guy who's a little bro but you still kind of like him. Uh, he's like Riley from Buffy the Vampire Yeah, Riley Finn from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he comes in to see what's up, and he asks, new toys? And she says, something I've been after for a while. Pulled from the shelves the day before release. Finally found a, I finally found a full set online. We see in the box, it's a full set of Commando Elite action figures. Um, we hear Skunk say, you're not telling Alan, are you? And she says, nah, he hates toys. They marvel at the boxes and even try the Tin Hut feature, but nothing seems to happen. So uh, Nina leaves to go to work or on an errand or whatever. And Skunk heads off, and as soon as they turn the lights off and shut the door, we see the belt lights come on, which means that they're active. Cut to mid-20s Alan Abernathy coming home late, like later that night from work. Uh, Nina and Skunk are taking inventory in their house that's been kind of trashed. Uh, they say that they think they've been burgled. Nina's 3D printer and some of her new toys have been stolen. Alan checks his stuff in his computer next to a framed picture of Christy is open his computer is open to a bookmark of like a google maps type page uh where we see 
a small, like it's kind of hard to make out, but there's something there. It's in the forest and it has latitude and longitude coordinates. Uh, Alan looks horrified and he storms. He comes into Nina's room and asks what toys it's a little bit later. I'm kind of, there's like little small time jumps going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan is freaking out, calling anyone he can. He tells Nina and skunk the backstory of small soldiers. A year after the Gorgonites set sail, Alan got an email from Irwin, which is David Cross's character, uh, with screenshots of that Google image search. It showed the brush being cleared. Each image, there's like a little bit more brush, a little bit more brush being cleared. And one of them, we clearly see the boat that they sailed off in. Uh, This is in the Tongass National Forest in North America, which I'm sure you're wondering, Madison. It's 26,278 square miles of forest. Thank you. That was like... No, I know. Eat at me if you didn't mention. I mean, in college, we always called you Square Mile Madison because your first question about anything was just really the length of anything. You know, like Madison just like knowing the lengths of stuff. Yeah, Uh, one time you told me about your uh, your. Mm -hmm. God damn it! (laughs) You got some new pants, and I'm like, "What's the length of them?" Yeah, those thirty fours, thirty fives. I told you four, thirty five. I told you what the works. I knew you wanted to know. So obviously, Skunk and Nina don't believe him. So Alan huffs and puffs and grabs some things to go. Like he's just going to leave. Like he has to, he's, I have to go because they're in trouble. He turns to leave and Nina is there asking him if he's, if this is serious, if like if this is a joke and he promised her that it's not. And she kind of, at this point she believes him, at least with the, I believe that you believe this kind of argument. Like she's not just immediately like, yep, toys are alive and they're trying to kill other toys who now live in a forest. It's like, all right, like you obviously really believe this, so I'm going to try to help. Uh, Skunk passes by, probably eating something, because Broad characters always pass by rooms eating something. Like an apple? Yeah, pro- or like a sandwich. Because sandwich- bros love sandwiches. So he hears, and he says that if they're going to do something this dumb, they're going to need his help, because getting away with dumb shit is his forte. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, his estranged parents are rich, so he can borrow their plane. Plot convenience. Yeah. They all move to leave... Like, leave, and Alan stops, and he takes one last look at the picture of Christy uh, before then they head out. A car with Alan, Nina. Are they, are they like, still together? Ooh, you know what, Madison? It's almost like I might get to that in my pitch. Okay. And that, there might be a natural chorus as to why I haven't mentioned if, okay. if they're still together or not, but... Is uh, the person in the picture Kirsten Dunst? Yes. What? Okay, so we got her back. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the picture, at least. And it might yeah. be a picture, like, a, a picture of her from Small Soldiers. So, you never know. That's creepy. <laughs> a car with Alan, Nina, and Skunk stops near an airstrip. They climb the fence and scurry to a small but fancy plane. They do all the things people stealing airplanes in movies do and eventually get inside. Uh, Skunk takes the pilot seat and starts getting the plane ready to fly. Cut back to the car where six pairs of toy-sized feet drop down from under the car. Out steps Major Chip Hazard. Uh, he spots the plane and gives the command to take it. They cross the tarmac and climb up the landing gears as the plane takes off. Uh, inside the plane, Nina asks about Christy. Alan says basically that they went to different colleges and lost track of each other. It's a tale as old as time. It's at this point that the commanders show up in the plane and hold Nina hostage with an ice pick. Chip takes out. I mean, it's nothing gruesome, but it's like in the first one where he shows up behind the driver and has like a knife just like here, like just kind of a, hey, I have a knife. They don't like stab her in the leg so she can't run away or whatever. Oh, like Nicole Kidman. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, from the classic Subtle Knife film of Equalizer's trademark. Chip takes Alan to the cabin and uses him as hostage to make Skunk fly them directly over Gorgon. Originally, Alan and Co.'s plan was to land as close as possible and figure it out from there. 
at some point, Skunk manages to communicate with Alan secretly that Alan should tell Nina to make sure she's strapped in. Alan goes to the restroom, Skunk passing him a small book of matches and saying something like, make sure to light one of these when you're done. Uh, as Alan passes through, he gets the message to Nina. In the bathroom, he braces as Skunk goes into a nosedive. Uh, the commando that's guarding Alan, Nick Nitro, goes flying. Uh, Alan snatches him out of the air and throws him into the plane's toilet. He then pulls out the book, uh, lights a match, and drops it into the toilet. He flushes, and we see from the outside as that part of the plane explodes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nick Nitro sails into the sky away from the plane. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to restrict myself to logic and yeah. the sequel to Small Soldiers. The plane crashes, and Alan is thrown around the bathroom, being knocked unconscious. Alan wakes up to find three oculas on his chest, the eye Gor- Gorgonite. Yeah. Alan sits up and is surrounded by the original Gorgonites. The plane had crashed just a few miles away from Gorgon. Skunk hadn't passed out, so he had pulled Nina and Alan from the wreck and carried them for about a mile before the Gorgonites found them and brought them back to Gorgon. Uh, by the time they could get the story out of Skunk, any surviving commandos had escaped. So the commandos get away. Nina is awake and fine. Alan gets up and is led into Gorgon by his friends. Uh, for me, Gorgon's kind of a Wakanda slash Nim, highly refined civilization. Like it, it's much more advanced than you would expect, but it's also got the original small soldiers kind of borrower esque charm of being cobbled together from stuff. But it's yeah, just much more advanced than you would expect. So did did they make like where in the world is this? Do what? Where in the world is... This is deep in the Tongass National Forest in North America. Oh, okay. So they they basically made... 26,278 square miles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they built a city here. Like. <laughs> okay, they built the city here. They didn't okay, find so it. Yeah, like, I'm like... It's basically happen- new. They didn't happen on. to find, like, oh, hey, here's our fucking planet. It was no, actually no, no, no. It was... Yeah, it's, it was... They found a place... David Cross tap, tapped in on some like deep like deep honestly shit that, that like... was an idea that crossed my mind when I was trying to come up with a pitch <laughs> right so it's the same level of makeshift borrowers esque buildings that we got from the first one but there's electricity and like the cable cars that are that are up in the air because in like San Francisco they have cable cars on the ground these mm-hmm. are the like ones in the air that kind of fly around and there's even a oddly looking zeppelin because I like having zeppelins in futuristic cities or advanced but... cities. But they're like toy sized. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So like, I mean, it's, like Alan. Uh, I think the tallest buildings come up to about their head. Okay. Like it's it's very much a toy city, but even there are some pretty tall buildings and like big buildings because the toys are I'd say about a foot tall. Yeah. So even like a three story building would come up to their waist. Okay. Many of these cable cars and zeppelins are clustered around Nina and Skunk because a lot of these toys have never seen people. Alan steps into Gorgon, and we cut to the lens of a zoomed-in camera snapping pictures of Gorgon in general. As he walks up to Nina and Skunk, the camera hesitates a second and starts taking pictures again. We cut to the commando camp. They've set up the 3D printer with a makeshift battery and computers that they scavenged and cobbled together from bits of the plane. Uh, One of the commanders appears with the body of Nick Nitro. Chip Hazard rips his head open and uses the X-1000 to give the 3D printed Commando's life like they did with the Gwendy dolls in the first one. 
Yeah. Uh, because I think it's funny that Nick Nitro's only purpose in this franchise is to get killed by Alan somehow, and then yeah. his brain is used to make more shit. Like <laughs> to me, that's a great bit that I wanted to yeah. like just continue. Yeah, and Chip Hazard just like one more one mo again. Well, this isn't the same Chip Hazard because that That's one was true. destroyed. The, originally, this is in No Six because my original pitch was the X One Thousand somehow uploaded their minds to the cloud because it's a magic wand oh, microprocessor, yeah. and so the the original minds were downloaded back in. And August some August ninth two thousand six is like the first as well. Most people consider the first time we started using the cloud. Okay, but I abandoned that at some point. Because it was becoming extremely unfeasible. Like the plot, I was having to do X. <laughs> I was having to do somersaults that even this movie wasn't going to be able to pull That's, off to make that, that fucking work. That somehow um, the iCloud would download Tommy Lee Jones back yeah, into this and like, plastic Nina, doll. I had a thought where like Nina bought the toys, but they were they wouldn't work, and so Skunk somehow found the schematics online and they downloaded them into the toys but there was a whole extra fucking paragraph and what was already becoming an extremely involved fucking yeah. pitch because he's like a super programmer or something yeah i don't know like, i mean i want skunk to be useful i just yeah. also love the idea of giving him a stupid fucking name yeah. all right so the commandos begin printing their army uh there's a snap of a twig and a forest ranger played by jeff goldblum walks into the camp. Uh, the commandos jump at him, and we cut to him dropping into a chair in the ranger station. That classic, like, right before somebody gets taken, and he cut to them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Does he come in, and he's like, wow. Clever girl. Um, and he's like, I'm in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, well, will be, because it's set in 2006. That's true. All right, so the commandos are rummaging around, throwing stuff everywhere in the in the kitchenette. They're collecting knives, utensils, appliances, like anything that they can use. They're going through the trash for, I mean, com- comedy. They're trash, you know, banana peels, empty tin foil rolls, coffee filters, etc. Uh, I have written here, Jeff Goldblum gives some of that comedic Goldblum magic as a hapless forest stranger, because <laughs> I didn't know how to write a good, like jeff goldblum scene out myself so just imagine jeff goldblum giving some of that i mean if you put jeff goldblum on set and just have him hey interact mm-hmm. with this something's yeah, gonna happen exactly also at listeners stop this podcast right now go and watch the video of jeff goldblum reacting to tattoos that people have got of jeff goldblum Welcome and we're back back. <laughs> <laughs> back in gorgon alan and co are getting the tour the Gorgonite City has massive multi-story buildings, a sporting arena. It's an action figure metropolitan city, basically. Yeah. Alan seems really impatient, and finally he snaps at Archer, asking why they're glad-handing and not getting ready for the commandos. And Archer shows him. Uh, Gorgon is powered by an X-1000 ship they found. Uh, it gives off an energy field that powers the city. Think like Wi-Fi, but electricity and an electric field. Powerful enough to fry the commando chips. So I invented... This and I'll get back to that later, but basically an electric fence with enough charge to fry a toy. Okay. Uh, this will come back, so don't question me too much about the about the logistics of that just now. I'll when get you, into it later. When you say they found it, does that mean? Do you I, mean might, they, I might, uh, I might, tore, be, I might be getting into that later too. Do you mean they tore into it? They just destroyed Insomniac or Insomniac or whatever Insaniac, Insaniac and just took his chip. So not even the commando elite could break through this uh, electric fence. And Nina asks, what's like, what's going to become of the three of them? Archer says it's too dangerous for them to leave right now. When the Gorgonites have routed the other five commandos, it'll be safe for them again. 
I, I should mention, and I don't remember if this made it into the pitch earlier, the Gorgonites have also managed to free some other Gorgonite toys from, like, okay. storage facilities, Globotech storage facilities. So there's a bunch of Gorgonites here. It's not just the six from the movie living in a, a massive metropolitan city in the forest. Like, there's a lot of Gorgonites. Got it. So once they've routed the other five commandos, it'll be safe for them again. Skunk wonders if it's still just five. And they all look at him and he says, well, you know, they stole that 3D printer. Now they could have hundreds or more. And he wonders what kind of weapons they're building. Uh, Major Chip Hazard's voice is heard. The commando army has arrived in force. So I'm imagining this is basically going to be like a siege, like a war, like a proper two sides of colossal force colliding. Archer swings into action, mobilizing the Gorgonites, who reveal their own makeshift weaponry. I have like enormous slingshots that shoot flaming pinecone stuff. Uh, I think there's a core that they cut, and a huge fucking log just drops down on the commandos. Like there is just, e- just Ewok shit, kind of like. yeah. And also like uh, other weapons that I didn't really get into because I was I thought like, well they're in the middle of the fucking woods. I'm not sure exactly how advanced their weapons are gonna be, but there's there's a lot of their own makeshift kind of assault stuff and maybe at the end of this if we have the time we could dig into like what some of their artillery could be but cool. the siege of gorgon begins alan nina and skunk are using slingshots with fire pine cones to help, and helping however they can like moving helping like push stuff back up or support buildings while people get out if they need to etc the gorgonites are holding the commando horde at bay until there is a whirring sound overhead the forest ranger helicopter is above them uh, hundreds of repelling ropes drop into the city uh, the battle is fierce, and the commandos manage to get to the X-1000 and pry it loose. Oh, so the commandos drop down from the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. Right, so the electric field falls, and the horde swarms into Gorgon. Archer tells Alan and Co. to run into the hills south of Gorgon. It's their only hope. Skunk and Nina refuse to run. We aren't leaving you. This It'll be a massacre. Alan and Archer share this look, and Alan agrees to run. Nina and Skunk can't believe it. Because uh, this is his friend, like Alan came out here to help, and now he's running away. Uh, Alan grabs their hands, and they start running. As they clear Gorgon, Skunk is furiously tearing into Alan, and Alan says, "You don't know commandos, and you sure as shit don't know the Gorgonites." Archer has something up his sleeve. We just need to follow his lead. Um, so they're running through the forest. They're all taken down by a tripwire being held by about a dozen commandos. Um, they're swarmed, and the commandos have long, jagged pieces of metal as knives. I imagine probably Nina gets a little cut just to draw some blood. Oh, shit, this is for real. Gunshots are heard, and commandos start exploding with each crack. A figure in full force camo and a balaclava, like a ski mask, dives into the mix with a taser fighting off the remaining commandos, catching them in the electricity in midair. It's like as they're jumping, the figure (laughs) just like thrusts out with the taser and gets them. As the last one falls, Alan and co. get up. The figure pulls back the balaclava, and we hear a woman's voice say, is this going to be a pattern for our relationship? She turns, and it's Christy. And it's, and it's his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the flight attendant, I think? She has her tennis racket. She's just, like, fucking one-shotting them. So it's Christy. Yeah. <laughs> Alan and Nina are stunned. Skunk slides up to hit on her. Christy, still looking at Alan, puts up a hand. Read the room, bro. God. All right, so the commandos are in control of Gorgon. Uh, they're collecting the Gorgonites together. The OG Gorgonites are separated. The commandos are holding a kangaroo military trial. The commandos quickly declare the Gorgonites guilty and must be destroyed. Uh, and Saniac lets slip about the EMP chamber. Uh, they press, but no one will talk. So they decide to start killing Gorgonites. To forestall that, Archer tells them 
They have a chamber that they had to build in the first days of Gorgon when one of the rescued Gorgonites turned out to have accidentally been installed with a commando chip. They ended up needing to put that one down, so they built this chamber. The EMP wiped the programming, but as a power source, it was still usable. Hmm. Like that chip you were asking about earlier. Huh. For example, the commandos decide to throw all the Gorgonites in, EMP them, and then bury the chamber. Uh, in Christie's base, it's basically a small hut with a bed and desk. Hanging in the middle of the room are drying photographs. Alan looks at the photos. They're all of Gorgon. He stops when he gets to the pictures of him. There's this awkward energy, and Nina finally takes Skunk to check the perimeter or whatever, in quotes, like that's what she says, and they leave. Uh, basically, Alan and Christy download in a very expository way, and we learn that Christy went to school for sociology, and Erwin sent her the same Gorgonite st- like pictures, so she set off to watch them build Gorgon and like observe them, basically. Like, okay. it's a toy civilization being built from the ground up. She was, yeah. like... This was an op- awesome chance, and I, I don't think she's, like, telling anybody about this. She's not, like, making a buck off of this. It's just, like, somebody needed to document this. Yeah, she's just stalking that. Yeah, basically. She's, she's a Gorgon pervert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trademark band name of the Equalizers, Gorgon pervert. Gor- Gorgon pervert. Uh, it's a simple living, and she likes it. Alan wonders if she knows that, if, they, if the Gorgonites know she's up here, she didn't think so at first, but one night she woke up and they were in her hut, like, snooping around, just seeing what was up. And she says, they're smart, but not smart enough not to send a guy literally named Slamfist on a covert operation. Yeah. Alan realizes this is why Archer sent them this way. Uh, like, he knew she was there and watching, so he, they knew that, or he knew that they would get this help. He asks her if she has a way to save Gorgon. And she looks at him and asks if that's really what he wants to talk about after all this time. Alan says that talking isn't what he wants to be doing here with her, but the Gorgonites are in trouble. And now he's got Nina and Skunk into the mix. They can talk after the commanders are defeated and everyone is safe. Uh, Chris can't believe his name is Skunk. And this is where the, the viewer will learn that. Because Alan says the worst part is that it's spelled and then he spells skunk. So this is where the viewer learns that it's an even broier fucking name then. So can she beat the commandos? Uh, Christy goes to the back of her hut and opens a hidden hatch on the, in quotes, hidden. She opens, pulls out a small tackle box. Inside are the tools to make a medium-sized EMP. Uh, there is a way to do this. I looked it up. It's on WikiHow. If anyone is interested, go ahead and Google that, but I'm pretty sure I'm already on a watch list for Googling how to make an EMP, so I'm really not going to double down on that by telling people how to do it. And um, FBI? Um, I don't know, Mike, or yeah. anything I literally, about... I literally Googled how to make an EMP, and then in parentheses, I'm a writer. This is for a writing thing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know Mike. I don't know what an equalizer is or even how to spell it. Alright, she's worried that it won't be a big enough EMP. Uh Skunk and Nina are back and Skunk mentions that he learned this from Arch or whatever. Their city is powered by like an electrical mist. I think like how like Wi Fi is kind of all around us at all times now. In Gorgon, it's the same with electricity because okay so if they set it off in the city it will the emp will carry on the electrical mist and like wipe the whole city like it will run through the whole city look i had again where it's a based off a movie where they basically said hey this chip is smart and that's how all this is possible like i'm 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 taking leaps of science here big i would say more like hurdles or or like big leaps madison when you want to make a fun movie science is a hurdle yeah. So you know, 
You know when Mario long jumps, you're taking those types of leaps. Hey, you know what? I prefer to think I'm wall jumping. I'm Mario wall jumping over science. Okay. Because it looks cooler. So they're going to set off the EMP, EMP in the city, and it'll carry on that electrical mist grid anywhere that's got power. So it'll it'll take the whole city. But the problem will also fry. This will also fry the Gorgonites. Uh, Christy takes Alan's hand and says it's what he'd want. So they make their plan. She also takes his hand and is like, we've done this before in the first She takes his hand and he says, that's not my hand. (laughs) And then Slamfist is like, that's my hand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot of overlap, but in a movie where it's toys trying to kill each other. There is going to be oh, like I don't and having to yeah. recreate the commando army. I'm kind of overlapping with what they already did. Like, I acknowledge <laughs> that, but the scale is it's bigger. fine. It's good. So Alan creeps back into Gorgon under cover of night. Uh, any commandos on guard are taken out by Christie's sniper. Uh, Alan is carrying a mechanical contraption under his arm. He scales the walls and heads for the town hall headquarters, whatever building, like the main building where the or the x1000 power chip is lights flare on all around him suddenly and he's surrounded by commandos like they saw him coming a mile away they take the device and they said they're going to use it on the gorgonites that survive if any of them survive the emp chamber they're going to use it on them alan is tied to one of the towers made of wood and i put bone because i imagine a lot of their building materials are also like animal in base mostly bone and maybe some fur i don't know I don't have a concept of what Gorgonite looks or Gorgon looks like in building material. There's some deleted scenes where like Archer uh, and Slamfist are just uh, like one shotting mooses yeah. and stealing their bones. There's an uh, <laughs> there's a deleted scene of Insaniac like they they down like a fox and they cut open the stomach and then he just goes in and he just as he spins you see everything. oh god <laughs> and then he said I thought they smelled it from the outside there you go Bazinga. Um, <laughs> Alan's tied to this tower and the lights are ki- like to kill the lights and the commandos all of them now bring out torches so they're all holding torches and that's where the scene is lit now by torchlight they're going to light the tower on fire that Alan is tied to as Major Chip Hazard brings the torch up to light the tower another floodlight turns on and we see Skunk, Nina, and Christy have snuck into the Forest Ranger's helicopter and are flying overhead. Christy and Nina are firing on the commandos, scattering them, and Skunk drops the real EMP device with perfect aim into Alan's hand. He and Chip share a look. Chip says, see you in hell. Alan says, tell the other commandos there. Alan Abernathy says, hello, and flips the switch. Uh, the EMP goes off and carried by the entirely scientifically accurate and feasible and possible electrical soup. It fries the equally entirely scientifically accurate and feasible and possible life-giving X-1000 and all of the commandos. Uh, we wrap up here pretty quickly so because feasible. this is it's the obvious movie end wrap-up. Also because my pitch reads, as long as the runtime of this movie is likely to be, uh, Skunk lands, they free Alan, they open up the EMP chamber, and the Gorgonites are fine. It was actually a doomsday bunker they'd built in case they needed shielding. Uh, it's cavern lined with fuckloads of aluminum foil, which I apparently can shield you from EMP. Not like a serious okay. one. I mean, I'm talking like a lot of foil. It's a... Man, you really got put on a, a watch list. Yeah, this I know. They uh, basically, um, oh, Briar Rabbit the shit out of the command is like oh no don't put us in the murder chamber when actually it was like the shield chamber 
Got it's it. later, the Gor- and Gorgon is fine. Skunk and Nina are leaving. They ask if Alan is coming with them. He says no, that he's staying with Christy because that's where he belongs. Skunk and Nina take the helicopter back to Forest Ranger Station to connect with civilization and get home. As they take off, Nina looks at Skunk and asks, is this going to be a pattern for our relationship? Skunk half chuckles, I hope so. She smiles and replies, yeah, me too. And with an aerial shot of Gorgon, as like everybody's like waving as they fly away, it's getting smaller and smaller. And we hear, we hear every slam fist in the city say simultaneously, "Alan, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship." Because ending a small soldier's movie without slam fist saying a dumb movie joke is joy treason. God. Everyone in Gorgon collectively groans. Like everyone that's not slam fist just groans. End of movie. Post credit scene. The 3D printer is still in the woods. We pan around in an artsy, fartsy way, and as soon as we get back to the front, it turns on and starts printing. Oh my god. Second after credit scene. Alan and Christy return to Christy's hut with the OG Gorgonites to catch up and party a little. The camera pans and we see Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury is leaning against the desk. They see him. I think it's time we had a little talk. And what? I want us I, I have this idea, and maybe nothing I think as a bonus episode, I'm gonna sprinkle this into some of my pitches, and eventually as a bonus episode, I'm gonna bring them together as an Avenger style movie. Like all of our movies. Not every one of them. But I'll, yeah. I'll sprinkle in Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury teasers into some of them, and those are the ones that I'm going to as, as, as a bonus episode bring together into a pitch for an Avenger style movie. And maybe I won't do it, but we'll see. It's it's it's, it's a fun thing I want to try at some point. Yeah. My favorite part of your pitch was when the chip hazard said see you in hell uh-huh. uh that igno- that acknowledged that the toys are able to recognize uh the existence of god mm-hmm. satan and uh their various planes of existence no so toys can have religion i guess now do you have any i the only thing i want to mention here is that i had an idea that skunk and nina were going to have a romance like a love story thing but it got lost in the just trying to get the story down so at the end it's an unearned like romantic beat but that was the thing i meant to work yeah. in more uh, i don't know if you have any questions i guess i'll just start mine i don't say there's nothing there to talk about because it was great okay oh what's the what's the sponsor of this week's uh episode the fake sponsor this week we're sponsored by toilet paper Why? because we make shit movies and we're gonna have to clean it up somehow god so if uh you remember at the um in the first movie mm-hmm. where at the end of it, uh, Dennis Leary was sort of contact the people in like the defense department. I have some ideas mm-hmm. for how we could use this. That showed me that like the chips were still going to be used somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went off of that. I also sort of went off of the thing in the uh, first movie where with the X 1000, the X 1000. Right? Yeah. The X-1000s, where what it makes every toy do, or like what it was making each, mm-hmm. like the Gorgonites and the Commando Elites do, is to focus on their prime directive, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, which is the Commandos was to... Destroy the Gorgonites. Kill the Gorgonites. Yeah. The Gorgonites was to find Gorgon. Mm-hmm. So I kind of sure. like okay. focused kind of on the chips and stuff. Good. We see a collection of scenes from the first movie documenting the incident that happened through maybe like crime scene photos or something. I imagine the scene is kind of like very Terminator-esque style okay. with uh, Sarah Connor. Yeah. Sarah Connor like uh, narrating about like Judgment Day and whatnot. The narrator uh, explains that uh, even after the incident of the first movie that Globotech and Heartland Toys didn't like learn their lesson. Mm-hmm. 
what they decided to do is cover up the event and continue the development of the X-1000. And they allegedly made it better and made a chip called X-1001. <laughs> Uh, okay. much to this, the dismay and um, of David Cross's character, Irwin, who mm-hmm. was um, kind of the only person in that company who was like, yeah, maybe this was a bad idea. And they decided that that robotic toys uh, with like these chips on them are were going to be the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. And they were right, because soon, uh, soon after, every franchise of toy opted to go to the hyper-robotic toy route. Um, and Globotech Heartland Toys took most of these these orders and development projects mm-hmm. for the for these toys. So much so that the Commando Elite gets a relaunch, with Chip Hazard being the flagship Commando mm-hmm. that gets developed again. Pretty much being the only one. Uh, I think of him sort of like a. Do you remember Action Man or Max Steel? Kinda, yeah. It was basically there was like. There are action figures that had a lot of different scenarios that they like had different versions of. Oh, him, sure. You know? uh, Batman action figures when I was a kid had that. Yeah. I know what you're talking uh, about. Like Winter yeah. Batman and Jungle Batman. It, and like, yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So uh, they start making a, a lot of different types of ha- uh, chip hazards. There's Fire Hazard, <sighs> Frozen Hazard, Space Hazard. There's not a choking hazard, but ironically, it does say that on every single one of his boxes. I hate you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So we see scenes of this going like this is like a big kind of info dump at the beginning of this movie. Mm -hmm. Just being like. Seems to be a theme of your your pitches as big info dumps near the beginning. Yeah, it's like this is setting up what's happened Mm -hmm. between last movie and where we are now. Okay. So, of course. We see where this is all going. Like the microprocessors are still defective and the same thing happens. A year after they release the Commando Elite, along with every other toy that they're put in from the other mm-hmm. like franchises, start to become too at- intelligent and start to act independently of their owners. Did you call your movie the fucking Toyminators? I didn't. Yeah, sure. I didn't have a title, actually. Thank you, Mike. You you birthed that, that into the world. Antichrist? Oh. Yeah. Uh, you birthed that abomination into the world, and so we all must live with it. I mean, I've done worse. Have you seen the teaser for Super Mario Brothers too? That's true. That is actually burned in the back of my eyes. So I blinded myself after that. So yeah, yeah. He's actually uh, Mike. Mike's actually wearing two different eye patches right now. Uh, the Commando Elite continue their tirade of the extinction of the Gorgonites, but there is a problem though. Mm-hmm. The Gorgonites toy development did not continue in the X-1001 relaunch. This causes the Commando Elite to have a mission without a target, but they cannot comprehend the existence of the Gorgonites to be false or them to not exist. So they assume that everyone is just hiding their enemy. Sure. And thus a war starts where they attempt to hunt down the Gorgonites they cause destruction, they kill people, they torture people to get the location of the Gorgonites out of them. This war against these toys and the populace lasts 10 years. Okay. And the toys end up winning. And the President of the United States is replaced by a limited edition President Hazard toy. <laughs> the Commando Elite turn America into a police state where roving squads of commandos infiltrate humans' homes 
in search of the Gorgonites. This has caused many humans to flee, and these previous like towns and um, cities are now abandoned, and now only the toys that were developed by this company roam mm-hmm. the city. Um, it turns America into a very Mad Maxian, Terminator, Salvation esque mm-hmm. world. So the the people, the humans, just live outside. Like they've just abandoned the cities and live. They've abandoned the cities. Um, I I kind of imagine like there's actually they were actually like a lot of them were killed. Okay, so it's more more brink of extinction. Okay, that's where yeah. I was. Conf- I just wanted to clarify for the tone because the tone of we just abandoned the cities and the tone of they've wiped a bunch of us out is. Yeah, it's a little of both. Like I mean, like people people have fleed. Yeah, of course. So mainly, like in the big cities and towns, the command commando elite are in charge now, mm-hmm. and they, like I said, they have roaming squads looking for gorgonites, kind of insanely. Like they don't understand that they don't exist, mm-hmm. <laughs> like or they that they were never developed. So this um, is where we kind of en- enter, like the actual story, okay. where we see not a commando elite toy or a gorgonite toy, but we see this turkey toy um that is plastic kind of like walking around okay and it is a part of a line called my tiny turkeys which is a play off of my little pony Mm -hmm. they are a cute right i'm refusing to laugh at that for the audience it wasn't that it wasn't Uh that the joke didn't land because there was just they can't see the look on my face of i won't give you the fucking satisfaction Again, my tiny turkey. No, I'm yeah, no. Uh, a cute race of large-eyed pink, uh, large-eyed turkeys of various color palettes. Their prime directive is to obtain prime directive. <laughs> I mean, all the all the toys have prime directives, or like, they have like their program. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, no, I know. Just... Their prime, uh, their prime directive is to obtain their snooty gems. Um, and if you don't know, a turkey anatomy. A snooty is that little hang down thing that hangs under their uh, chin, um, and in this toy version of these ti- of my tiny turkeys, the turkeys have to earn their gems. I use the very limited amount of My Little Pony knowledge to create this thing. So, um, this turkey's name is Crabapple. Why not? And it is a ocean based or ocean themed turkey. With crab claws, where a turkey's wings would normally be, uh, she smells like Honeycrisp apples because it's also kind of a Cabbage Patch oh my Kids God. or whatever. Uh, or oh, no, I might uh, shortcake. What is it? Strawberry shortcake. Stra- strawberry shortcake. Yeah, esque thing too. I feel like you've done so, more character world building on fucking crab apple than my tiny turkey than you did about the rest of the fucking movie, Madison. <laughs> Like this is going to be the next thirty minutes of your pitch. I'm like, really pr- and also I'm, his favorite color is raspberries. I'm really proud of this particular part of the uh, pitch. Um, so, so the fake, the fake My Little Pony ripoff toy line is the part you're the most proud of in your pitch for a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Crabapple uh-huh. is uh, just roaming around this wasteland. It looks like she's scavenging. She's in this sort of like post-nuclear abandoned building 
like like, like this neighborhood that used to be like a suburban area uh-huh. it kind of looks like like maybe like there's a cul-de-sac and there's some um, burnt out cars and this just basically abandoned suburban neighborhood all over the place um on like the light poles and just any wall uh are posters uh with uh pictures of the gorgonites on them Mm -hmm. saying like if you see these people uh report to the nearest commando elite station with their whereabouts at once she is scavenging a trash pile for uh nuts and gears when she is uh, came upon by a elite squad of ha- like chip hazards, uh, there are like a bunch of like soldiers doing rounds, and they mm-hmm. ask Crabapple if they have seen any Gorgonites, and she replies to them that she has never seen one in her life. They then ask her what her prime directive is, and she tells them that it's her prime directive to make her way to the sea so she can earn her snooty gem. Because uh, that's where she's mm-hmm. supposed to be, and by getting to the sea, she thinks she can like find her snooty gem there. They tell her to carry on, and if she finds anything, that it's her duty to report to the nearest hazard outpost, or be terminated for not doing so. She complies. She then continues to look through a pile, and she randomly finds one of the processing chips. It seems to be sort of like fully like it didn't seem damaged mm-hmm. or anything, or ban- it looks like kind of like a brand new one and she takes it next uh we see her make her way to the back of this house um where she walks into the shed Mm -hmm. she walks up to this kind of like form in the distance in the corner of this shed um and she starts to put the gears and other scavenge she collected onto this mass we then see that it is actually sort of sort of looks like like a ship or a boat that she seems to be making we also see her struggling to secure the pieces to the ship because she has crab claws and they aren't the best like to building tools, sure. I guess. And then she after she does that, uh, she goes and to this other area of the shed and turns on this movie projector. And they're actually old home movies of the Abernathys okay. that she has apparently found. And um, and then that's just kind of like we see we that suggests that this neighborhood is actually in ohio in the same neighborhood that the first movie took place she then hears a noise outside and she assumes that it's the elite commandos again uh that followed her she announces again that she doesn't know anything about any gorgonites has never seen one before and to please leave her alone she then rounds the corner and she is face to probably like knees or stomach with slam fist the large boulder fisted mm-hmm. gorgonite from the first movie he uh says hello and then she screams because she recognizes who he is from like the posters and she's like no i don't want any part of this no no don't i i didn't see you no i don't please and then he's like i need you to give that back i need you to give it back to me i hit it very well where is it i can't uh, i can't really believe that you found it i hit it so well in his in Slampus voice. Right. Which sounds like I hit it so well. I don't understand how you found it. Can you put a little bit more of a like a gravelly smoker like I hit it so well. Yeah. I do not know how you found it. Nailed it. Nailed it. When I do this voice, my shoulders go into 
like my chin and i did you know that all the gorgonites were voiced by the um, actors from this is spinal tap <laughs> that's a real <laughs> that that's true actually yeah that's a real fact yeah christopher guest and uh harry shearer and michael mckean michael mckean yeah crab apple then like backs up it's just like get away from me don't come in then she like slams the door in his face um but slam fist slams it open mm-hmm. like just like and he's not like seemingly being like attacking her or anything sure. but he is just like approaching her asking like where is it where'd you put it and he eventually like walk she backs up into the corner where her ship is and he says is this where it is and he picks it up with one hand and uh and it kind of looks like he's gonna like throw it or something and she's just like please don't no that's my ship that's my ship and he's like this is a ship it doesn't really look like a ship i've seen a ship before we have a ship <laughs> what are you uh this isn't a ship and she's like it's of course it's a ship what else would it be he's like doesn't look like a ship to me and slam Fist eventually is like i need the chip where's the chip and she's like the chip oh the chip uh she, and she <laughs> and she and then she's like put the ship down it's in the ship and she uh, goes to the ship and grabs it and he says that he says that oh there there it is finally i found it i don't understand how you found it i hid it so well in that pile of trash she's just like i i didn't mean i didn't know it was your guys's just take it and please leave and then he's like i think you should meet archer and then he takes it (laughs) and he's like she's like i don't want to meet i don't want to meet archer i don't want to meet anyone i don't want any part of this Mm -hmm. and he then sees her movie projector mm-hmm. and sees the movie of the Abernathys. And he's like, I need to take the." He's like, I need to take this. Archer would want to see this. And he just picks it up and starts to like grab it. And then angry, she follows him back to the base because this dude's just like coming into her house and like robbing her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go back to like the the Gorgonite stronghold or whatever. Um, I think it's in the Abernathy house. So like three doors away. Yeah, like three doors away okay. or something. And the whole gang's there. Archer, the little like mm-hmm. orange dude. Well, whose um, name is? Um, Springy. Okay. It's not a bad guess. There's Frankie. I know because he was the one with like the ham radio. Like yeah, Frankenstein. 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 Franken. You keep saying Franken. Franken. Fre- Frankenstein. Uh huh. Um, two more were there two more oh there was there's a, a lot a, more there's the uh, in insaniac uh-huh. who i think was voiced by jim cummings that yeah maybe i thought that was michael mckean would have been my oh, that guess, might be but... michael mckean i don't know and then there's uh megatron yep all right good job back at this place are they meet archer and it's revealed that uh they needed this chip because it's actually one of the elite commandos chips mm-hmm. that they defeated one of them in a battle um, that had found like a, one of the chip hazards found them and they uh, destroyed him and took his chip. And that's where Archer had the idea that what if we could reprogram a chip to think that the Gorgonites don't exist mm. and then they would have no purpose. And then this world that what the world has turned into will cease to at least be as bad i Mm -hmm. guess and their plan is to 
take this chip to a programmer that they know and to have it rewired to Mm -hmm. do so. And then they're going to have to find a way to implant this chip into a chip hazard. I keep saying chip a lot, and I feel like it's confusing. Sorry, I said X1000 like a thousand times. Yeah, Yeah, the X1000 or the microprocessor, the X1001 chip. And so Archer says that he knows one, and they go to it, and it's David Cross, who has lived in hiding (laughs) this whole time and has uh, studied these chips like he was very against it at the beginning like i mentioned and he thinks he can rewire them to just believe that uh the gorgons don't exist anymore by uploading it to computer and just changing its like code mm-hmm. and then he can go be in another alvin and the chipmunks movie sure <laughs> um so while they are meeting crab apple and everything slamfish shows archer the home movies of the abernathys mm-hmm. and he's he says his he was very disappointed to see that they weren't here anymore when they eventually came back here to sure. find them after like shit went down they don't really know where they are anymore but slamfish says no i think this is how we can lure president chip hazard out and what they do is they film like a movie mm-hmm. of uh, Archer saying that we are here, we are here in this town. So they film that and then they project it onto a building downtown in the city. And they think that will like lure President Chip Hazard out. He comes to the city and then they launch their like plot to date his daughter. Yeah, date his daughter. <laughs> My date with the president's daughter my date with her and i think this is where maybe you can help me sure so what you just i just i really i need to i need to hear the words madison that this is where your notes ran out this is where my notes die oh. i do have a few other ones okay. down here for other toys that could exist uh, in this okay. universe. i think it's i think it's more worth the people's time to hear that than yeah. to finish the plot of this movie yeah morphers Androids impersonating guys. <laughs> okay. And then there's chili plant children. Jesus Christ, Madison. Uh, that's actually what most of my notes are. <laughs> uh, you know, somehow I'm not surprised. Believe it or not, my notes on this one, I, I decided to like do a little callback to my hook to uh, plot and... Just really not uh, finish the movie. All right. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty straightforward. They execute some heist-style kidnapping plan yeah. on the president. Like, the usual, they sabotage a limb. I don't know. I think it's very, like, Ocean's 11 or 12. And as we've already established on this podcast, like, filling out around the edges of a heist plot, whatever, isn't... I mean, they're kidnapping the president. There's really only, like, a few ways they could probably do it. And the I think the... The part of it that people would enjoy the most is like seeing like little tiny toy sized limos and stuff. And that's yeah. not really going to come through with us talking about it. Like, yeah, the delight of this heist slash kidnapping comes with the visuals and us just talking about it. it's not as engaging. I mean, maybe the Gorgonites are on a bunch of Tonka trucks or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, there's there, there are and, some goofs to be had, but I think ultimately we're yeah. just coming up with like, hey, what if they were on this toy? Yeah. Like, what if we used this I toy? I mean, yeah. Which is is kind of fun, but... Uh, what if there's, like, 
since it's a little time has passed, maybe like drones and like little toy helicopters existed. Yeah, I like that. And what they do is they, to create a distraction, they get a bunch of the toy helicopters and release a bunch of like, uh, there's like, what are those like snappy fireworks? Yeah. Like firecrackers yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And amongst that and the smoke, they like tackle him and into a bush or something um, off of the, because Maybe coming into town, there's like a a parade of sorts. Uh-huh. Like he's coming into town. It's like, hello, fuck the Gorgonites, fuck the Gorgonites. <laughs> and he's just like waving to everybody. And there's a bunch of more androids impersonating guys and chili plant children there mm-hmm. and commandos and some other sure. My Tiny Turkeys, you know, the other um, great parody toys I yeah. made in this pitch. So um, the, the crab apple is... Does she end up like helping the Gorgonites? Is that her arc? Yeah, yeah. And then, so does she? Like, what does she get for it in return? Do they like help her build a boat? Do they give her their boat? Like, what's the? I think they. they she definitely gets the boat. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, maybe maybe they give her the boat at the end, and just like, now, good luck. Is is it? Does she help them for the boat? Like, obviously, like she's promised the boat, and that's why she starts helping yeah. them. But by the end of it, is she, um, not to. Not like on board the boat, but is she on board with their side or is it still very much at the end like the Han Solo, I'm here for it to get paid and now I've gotten paid so I'm gone. What if, and this just brain blasts. Yeah, this is me. your movie. Yeah. What if, because she has this like projector, mm-hmm. she know she actually makes movies of her own okay. that she like sits and watches uh-huh. and stuff and that's how she helps the Gorgonites to make this movie. Okay. This like propaganda yeah. movie. Or I whatever. think then that needs to come in to their kidnapping somehow the movie like make the, a movie that they make or some. you know what I mean like yeah. that's how she finally goes all in with the Gorgonites is she uh, makes this very good movie for them that helps them save the day but yeah I think it's like a propaganda film or something and it's of the Gorgonites like like one of the Gorgonites is dressed up as Chip Hazard and <laughs> so it's Saturday Night uh, Live for Gorgonites yeah it's basically a Saturday Night Live sketch for Gorgonites Saturday Night Live it's Slam uh, Fist Megatron <laughs> with musical guest Kesha Kesha does all this, the whole soundtrack for this movie, for your Small Soldiers movie. I'm I'm fine with that. During the parade scene, uh, the Kesha song "Boots" is playing. Sure, I don't really listen to Kesha, but I, I I'll take your word for it. No, 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 I changed my mind. It's going to be Gold Trans Am. All right, but yeah, I think like it's a propaganda movie and it's causing all this confusion. I think it's just like a distraction. Mm-hmm or something and it causes them to be able along with maybe like the helicopter fireworks thing sure they are able to get to him and there's like a fight between archer and him or maybe crab apple and between and chip hazard sure she's like a fucking turkey i was gonna say toy. because the one thing that can top the gorgonite chip hazard fight of the first movie is a blue turkey toy with crab claws fighting President Chip Hazard. I mean, yeah, that actually sounds pretty rad. And she's like this, like homebody turkey too. Sure. It's like she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's like this very reserved turkey that doesn't think she can be a part of this bigger like revolution or anything like that. Cool. And now she's like killing the president. Well, they're not killing him though, right? They're just reprogramming him. They're reprogramming him. Yeah. Still. Granted, I guess what that would do is either it would shut down all the commander elite or it would just cause him to be like, oh, the Gorgonites don't exist anymore. And then they would just act as regular. Yeah, I think that they they convince him 
that they don't exist anymore. Like that he killed the last Gorgonites or something, and then they're just like, all right, well, that's over. Then they go back into hiding. And the end of the movie is, what, the people coming back? Because are the commandos, or is it just now Toy Apocalypse still forever? I think it's, I think it's kind of Toy Apocalypse. Okay. I, I mean, I think the air of the movie, at least at the beginning, it's like, well, we fucked this up. <laughs> we didn't, sure. like, learn our lesson, and, like, uh, we implemented this dangerous technology into these toys that have proven, yeah. it's been proven before that this was a bad idea. You know, the pitch I almost went with for mine was an alternate universe story where Alan didn't get those toys. So they actually went to market and people bought the shit out of them. And then the toys ended up taking over and destroying civilization. So oh, really? that was almost a dark alternate future. I mean, it's kind of an easy jump to, right? Because it's like, this could have went very badly if Alan hadn't fucking like... Basically stolen a bunch of toys basically stole the toys or have like two sentences with uh the the truck driver who was like joe who at first was like i don't think that's a good idea and then alan's like but and he's like oh okay yeah it's basically the marty mcfly equivalent of like no i'm not gonna give you these toys like (laughs) what are you chicken you've never given a kid toys before he's like fuck you i'm gonna give you these toys yeah he's like Oh, yeah, you know what? Fuck my job. <laughs> Just like fuck, fuck the whole like thing that I do yeah. uh, as a living. The thing I never noticed about this movie until this time I watched it because I had subtitles on was he's walking out the door. He's like, "All right, but you got to get him off the truck." And as they're leaving, he's like, "This better not come back to bite me in the ass. I could lose my job. I could lose my home. I could lose my wife." Like the whole way out, he's like, "This is everything <laughs> that I could fucking lose on this very bad decision, but I'm still gonna do it." It's like the logic of the decision, like left with the movie. Yeah. Like it's like it would like seeing it like slowly fade out of existence with as they walk away. Yep. Um, well, Madison, I think that's credits on another episode of the Equalizers. Uh, tell the people where they can find us. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and all places podcasts are found. Wherever you hunt the wild podcast, or wherever you mine those audio audio ores wherever you scavenge for those sweet pod cast nuggets cast nuggets yeah just search any podcatcher i'm pretty sure we're on all of them you can also get in contact with us on facebook and twitter at the equalizers uh instagram the underscore equalizers and you can email us at equalizers at gmail.com that's e-q-u-e-l-i-z-e-r-s Thanks also to Creo for our theme song, Rock Thing. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. For the Equalizers, I'm Addison J. I'm Mike Knoll. It's like, how much more black could this be? The answer is none. None more black. To be continued. To be continued.